I'm John McKee, editor of Messianic Apologetics. This is Messianic Theology Explained. At least, we hope so. Halakha. I am sure in your Messianic experience, at some point or another, you have heard the term Halakha used. Halakha is a Hebrew term frequently used to represent Torah application. It is derived from the Hebrew verb halach, meaning to walk. The term halakha is frequently defined simply as the way to walk. And it involves evaluating Torah commandments, Torah issues, reasoning through them, and then applying them in everyday situations. In a great deal of the Jewish theological tradition, seen in bodies of literature such as the Mishnah or the Talmud, halakha involves sorting through Torah commandments and applying them in situations, perhaps, which they were not originally intended for. When you enter into Messianic congregations and you see the people in attendance and you see how they are or are not keeping commandments, are they not keeping commandments or is perhaps their halakha, their application of certain Torah instructions perhaps different than yours? When you have attended a Messianic congregation or synagogue or a large conference-level event, look at the men in attendance. Leviticus 19.27 says not to cut the edges or corners of the beard, yet it's pretty obvious when you go to many Messianic congregations, you visit large conference-level events, and you see even some of today's well-known Messianic teachers and leaders. They don't have beards. Are they violating the commandment? Or is it possible instead they have an interpretation and application of that commandment, which has indeed been witnessed somewhere in the Jewish tradition? What about something like Exodus 34.26, not boiling a kid in its mother's milk. Throughout a great deal of observant Judaism, that means that meat and dairy products are not to be eaten together. Yet, when you see a great deal of the kosher application in the Messianic community, a fair number, if not small majority of Messianic Jewish believers. They eat cheeseburgers. They will eat a meat lasagna. They'll eat cheesesteaks. They mix meat and dairy. And why is that? 
Often it involves how it is believed that the instruction of Exodus 34.26 prohibited some kind of an ancient Canaanite religious ritual where boiling a kid in its mother's milk was somehow involved. Yet, is it invalid to interpret that as meaning don't eat meat and dairy products? It all comes down to halakha, application, how people have reasoned with a particular Torah instruction. They've consulted different opinions. They've seen how it has been approached throughout Jewish history, at least. And often they have selected something which they think works best for them. And I think that for most people in today's Messianic community, they do allow for a level of freedom and variance when it comes to many of these applications seen throughout Jewish history. They would simply stress, don't be too rigid or legalistic about it. In Matthew 16, 18 through 19, Yeshua the Messiah gave the authority of binding and loosing to his disciples. And it it is widely recognized in biblical studies how binding and loosing was a technical term for establishing halakha, or Torah application. And one of the most significant examples of the apostles binding and loosing establishing halakha for the emerging first century body of Messiah is seen in the issuance of the apostolic decree at the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 verses 20 and 29. Likewise, as it concerns halakha in Matthew 23, 2 and 3, Yeshua the Messiah recognized that the Pharisaical leaders sat in the seat of Moses and that their instruction, their application was to be followed. Yet, when you look at Matthew uh, 23, you also see significant examples of the Pharisaical leadership's hypocrisy. So, recognizing that the ancient Pharisees had what we would probably label as A consultative authority doesn't mean they're to be blindly followed, but they are to be considered. Because after all, Pharisaical theology affirmed one of the most important principles of our faith, the resurrection of the dead. Do not assume that when you go into a Messianic community, a Messianic congregation or synagogue, and you see, for example, a male who is fully shaved, or you don't see certain things being worn, or you see meat being mixed with dairy, or meat not being mixed with dairy, that commandments are being flagrantly broken. Instead, what you are witnessing is a different halakha, a different application of Torah instructions. And rather than accusing someone of you're breaking God's law, instead it is more appropriate, tell me what you think about this. How did you arrive at 
the conclusion you arrived. Because all of us in our reading and application of Holy Scripture go through some kind of a reasoning process, considering Hebrew or Greek vocabulary, considering some kind of an ancient background setting, considering questions which have arisen both from the original setting and subsequent to the original setting in a history of interpretation. And frequently, halakha or halakhic variance is seen over relatively minor matters. Yet, if we are not tempered and we can recognize a variance of halakha, a variance of application, those minor matters can be blown out of proportion and we can, and I have seen this many times myself and I know many of you all have as well, you can see minor matters become major matters and then unnecessary points of division and schism. And we want to avoid that. Now, what do you do about the presence of customary Jewish halakha in today's Messianic community? That is something which has to be considered on a case-by-case basis with each particular issue. I simply mentioned issues of Leviticus 19.27, shaving, Exodus 34.26, mixing meat and dairy. For certain, there have been volumes of discussion throughout Jewish history on how to approach or apply Torah commandments, and you see a wide variance uh, today in modern Judaism, Orthodox, Conservative, and Reform. Three resources which I think may assist you, at least as information. This is presented to you as information. So you can get a good idea about what to possibly expect. Because all of that variance seen in Judaism is witnessed in the Messianic community as well. And then we have some of our own homespun interpretations and applications of Torah commandments. So three resources which you may even have in your congregational library uh, include The Mitzvot by Abraham Chill. These are all analyses of the traditional 613 Torah commandments. Mitzvot, a source book for the 613 commandments by Isaacs, Ronald H. Isaacs. And the 613 mitzvot by Ronald Eisenberg. And each of these three resources, that's Eisenberg, Isaacs, and Chill, they are all listed on the theological resources section of messianicapologetics.net. Please do continue to submit your questions, an issue or topic you'd like to see addressed on Messianic Theology Explained. You can see right here, I've got a stack of index cards, which is getting bigger. As always, on behalf of Outreach Israel Ministries and Messianic Apologetics, we thank you for your ongoing prayers and support 
for all of our ministry efforts. We'll see you again soon with another installment of Messianic Theology Explained. God bless you. Shalom. Take care.